Oh, wow. Hey, Des. Um, I wasn't intending to prophesy over you. I've prophesied over you before, but um, I was just walking out to get a, a cup of water, and I was suddenly taken back into an incident that occurred in Pakistan. Um, I was due to, to preach somewhere, and we're heading into this, um, this restaurant that has a big sign up, No Weapons Allowed. Um, the thing was, was that the six guys with me were all secret service agents, all armed, and um, quite a quite a sight really to have these big strapping guys, um, you know, huge guys. I mean, a lot taller than, than than me, just all muscle, you know, just with their sidearms, um, and. Um, they were there to protect me and also somebody else that I can't talk about on public. And um, I just want you to know that I just sense that this particular trip, that you're going to become a lot more aware of the angelic um, that is around you. Are they going to, they're going to, I don't know if they're going to expose themselves, but just just keep keep an eye out of the, of the edge of your eye. Uh, you know, when you see them, it's usually out of the corner of your eye. You don't normally see them straight on. Um, to do with rods and cones, um, medically speaking. So, yeah, just be aware of that. Um, anyway, what was I going to talk about today? I've been asked, I better put my timer on, I suppose. I've been asked to talk to you today about the lamp and the lampstand in the Old Testament. So that's my brief. Um, so let's just get started. Um, I've got a lot to go through. And uh, let's see where we head on. So let's put that second slide up, the one on the lamp, if we could, please. Well, I see them at the back, so I know where we are. Oh, the polo. <laughs> My wife and I were talking um, <laughs> this morning, and I, I, I said to her, you know, there's a button that you never push in my car. And she says, no way. She says, when I push that button, people look. And uh, um, it lowers the suspension, it uh, changes the throttle response, <laughs> it changes what the exhaust sounds like. <laughs> and this, this morning, I'm going to try and stay slow, but I'm, I kind of suspect that um, you might need to just buckle up for this one, because we've got a lot to go through today. Um, just a little aside, that there... Um, is the straightforward Polo GTI, which is a bit like the old old Covenant. You know, it's uh, 200 horsepower. Um, but you can upgrade it, that same engine, to 630 horsepower. Um, and that's a bit like the new Covenant, you know, all power. Awesome. Anyway, all right, that's an aside. Um, right, lamp outside the veil. The first thing to realize, and I'm not going to read these because they're up there, hopefully, behind me. Um, we've got a lot to go through. The first thing to realize in the Old Covenant is that the lamp is outside of the Holy of Holies. So when we talk about uh, the lamp, it's not to do with your spirit or where the Spirit of God is. Because when you're a new creation, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. Your body is the whole temple, but there is a part inside of you, inside your spirit, where God dwells. 
where Jesus dwells. We've looked at that previously, you know, that it's not just that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, but that Ephesians 4 verse 6, I think it is, or yeah, Ephesians 4 verse 6, says that the Father is inside of you. And then John 14 says that Jesus speaking says, I live inside of you. So the Trinity lives inside of you. But the lamp is outside of the spirit. So if you like, you could say that it is in the soul part of your body if you wanted to draw a picture. The next thing is that the lampstand which carries the, uh, the lamps is intricately made. Um, thanks, darling. Hold on to that. Is intricately made. The whole tem the whole tabernacle in the Old Testament, whether it is the tabernacle of meeting, which was just a tent, or whether it is the temple, was in incredibly intricately made. There are chapters and chapters and chapters about the temple and about the tabernacle. The thing is that in the new covenant, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then there is the temple of the Holy Spirit that is inside of you. And then there is the corporate temple of God that is the body of Christ internationally. Okay. So you are intricately made. Your body houses the most amazing temple of God that is far superior to that which is in the Old Covenant. And so we see that even in the lamp stand itself. So let's go to one of the last books in the, in the Old Testament, and it's the book of Zechariah. Zechariah 4, verses 2 to 3. And he said to me, what do you see? So I said, I am looking, and there is a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it, and on the, the, the stand seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it, one on the right and one on the left. So we have seven lamps. We have a lampstand with six branches and the main stem. And then on each side of it, there is the olive trees. So let's carry on a couple of verses to slide number five, Zechariah 4, verse 14. So he said, these are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. Now, for those of you who love eschatology, that's not the subject for today, but you need to think specifically about the scripture if you think about eschatology in regard to the two witnesses. So what we want to find out when it comes to the lampstand, you've got the lampstand, which is intricate. You've got the lamps, which carry the light. And then you've got the oil that feeds into the lampstand. Sorry. Yeah, well, it does feed into the lampstand and into the lamps themselves. There's a really interesting little word in there. 
And if you can go back to slide four. What are these two olive branches that drip into the receptacles of the two gold pipes from which the golden oil drains? That word receptacles is the word hands. Now, when I'm ministering and healing, my hands literally buzz like they're starting to now as the anointing comes upon my hands. There is the laying on of hands that is a, the, an, a the, the anointing means to smear. So when it comes on your, on your body, it smears on your body. The anointing oil is something which in the Old Testament was also intricately made. There were people who were, who not anybody could make the oil. It was only certain people who could make the oil. Let's carry on. So we have these two olive trees that are birthed out of the ground that bring oil and they go into the lampstand to produce oil that can be lit. So what are the two olive, um, olive trees? They are the anointed ones. That word anointed ones is the word ben, which means son. You start to get the picture. This is not about a thing. This is looking forward from the time before Christ to that which is in us now. We have this amazing lampstand that carries a lamp that has a perpetual flow of the anointing oil that comes out of something that is alive, which is two olive trees. Now, this book or this part of the book of Zechariah is referring to the rebuilding of the temple. With the rebuilding of the temple, there are two people involved. Now, if we go back a few verses, we find this, slide seven. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain, and you shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Zerubbabel was the prince. He was not the king at that time. He was the, the one that was due to come up under him. And so one of those anointed ones in this picture is the kingly anointing. You are kings and priests. So each one of you, not just the pastors, not just the evangelists, not just the youth pastors, each one of you has a kingly anointing. And that 
kingly anointing is an anointing that brings power, authority, and grace. So let me just give you a little story about one of our churches in Awakening Impact Ministry churches in Africa. Around about 18 months ago, I got a phone call from this pastor. And he says, hey, Daddy, can you pray for me? I've got COVID, and I think I've only got hours to live. So I prayed for him. He was instantly healed out of his deathbed. He wrote later, he says, Jesus, heal me out of my deathbed. However, he ended up with secondary diseases as a result of COVID, which did not enable him to preach properly. He couldn't preach because he was so worn out. And so he said, Daddy, can you please please pray for me again? And he said, I said, yeah, sure. And so I prayed for him. Nothing happened. And I says, okay, look, I'm going to send you some money across. You're going to go get an endoscopy done. Okay, so I sent money across to him. He comes back about a week later and he says, oh, Daddy, um, the following day I was completely healed. And I thought, oh, well, okay, let's give that, you know, that money to some other need. And he says, but I've been to the endoscopy. And he says, and the doctors have proclaimed me completely healed. No duodenal ulcers, no stomach ulcers, all right? Jesus, the name of Jesus, by the power of the Spirit under the anointing of God, that is what we carry. It is incredible. But it's not just about healing. It is about the salvation of souls. So that guy now has led 2,000 people to Christ that I know of. He now has, outside of those 2,000, he now has a weekly radio broadcast throughout, um, throughout Uganda and the, and the surrounding nations. Many people are coming to Christ as a result of that. But not only that, he rings me up last week and he says to me, Neville, um, we now have 520 pastors going through your uh, course. He says, in two years, we're going to be through this one guy. We're going to have 520 pastors who are fully ordained with a, with a diploma in theology, in ecclesiastical theology. That is through one church, one church, one of our national leaders is traveling from Tanzania to Kenya for 250 churches that want to come under the ministry. See, God is a God of the multiplication. Now, what the work that you do in the streets and with your harvest now, you know, 120 multiplies again and again and again and again. Jesus only had 12 that then became 120, that then became 3,000, that then became over a billion. It is recognizing what you carry inside of you. If I can say that, there, please don't go looking for a, for a temple that's going to come into Israel. Look at the temple that lives inside of you because when you understand the incredible power and grace and anointing that lives inside of you, that anything is possible. Anything. 
Jesus said, greater things than, uh, than, than these you shall do. Why? Because I go to the Father for the promise of the Holy Spirit, as you've heard today and the, uh, for the, the, the night meetings. If you're not moving freely in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I really encourage you to go along there and get what you can get out of that meeting, those series of meetings. Get hungry for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So that's one side. What's the other side? Uh, slide six. The other side of the anointing is the priestly anointing. So here we are, we've just been through Zechariah chapter 4, but before that is Zechariah, is Zechariah chapter 3. That's pretty obvious, correct? Right. And Zechariah 3 is about a man called Joshua, Joshua, the high priest, whom God comes and brings a clean turban, puts upon him brand new garments, so on one side, we've got the kingly anointing, and on the other side, we've got the priestly anointing. That flows inside of you as well. Calling out like we did today, the name of Jesus. At times, calling out those in the midst of sickness or pain or whatever, or praising God when it's not, not a place where you want to praise God, or thanking God when things are not going well. Those are sacrifices, and that is what the priests do. The other side of the priestly anointing is reconciliation, preaching the gospel, reconciling man to God. And this is why God puts so much importance on forgiveness, walking in forgiveness with God, with one another, but also with ourselves is incredibly important. Giving ourselves a break. The new covenant teaches us that God doesn't just forgive your sins. He forgets your sins. For your sins and your lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Hebrews 8 verses 11 to 12. So I've actually done really well. I've done that in 13 minutes. So that gives me some freedom now to leave the, new the Old Testament and go to the New Testament. Can we go to the eye is your lamp? So what is the lamp? It's your eye. The lamp of the body is your eye. Boom. Just like that. It's not your heart, that new heart where we think the Spirit of God lives in that new heart. It's your eye that is the lamp of the body, which is really interesting. Now, husbands and fiancés, look at your wife and fiancé and say this word in Irish. I see a girl I like. 
Come on, Wayne, you can do it. A bit louder, please. Go on. <laughs> there is a word in Greek which sounds very much like I see a girl I like. It is singero. Singero, I think. If we go to Ephesians chapter 2, we find something very interesting. Now, we've talked about this, and you've heard it, I'm sure, from other, other preachers, that you live in Jesus Christ, that you're seated at the right hand of the Father. I've preached it here myself. You are in Christ at the right hand of the Father. And that is true. But actually, that's not what Ephesians 2.6 says. I was struck by this about three weeks ago, and I didn't know why. I thought, oh, have I been teaching wrong theology? No, I haven't. Singero. I'll read it to you because it's not up there on the screen. Even as we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved and raised us up, singero, with Christ by grace, you have been saved and raised us up, singero, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. Now, sin is spelled S-Y-N, okay? So, for you computer people, you know what it is to synchronize, or more correct, correctly, synchronize, okay? We musicians synthesize, bring together for a particular purpose is what sin means. However, in Greek, in that word there, when it talks about uh, uh, seeing the girl that you like, Singero, it is actually saying that it is not talking about us being in Christ, although that is quite correct earlier in Ephesians. It is actually saying that it is beside, very close. So we are seated in Christ, absolutely, but we are also seated together with Christ. Now let's go back to Zechariah and to the two anointed ones, the two anointed sons. Which I think is, you got it there? Slide five. These are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. You see, when it comes to moving in the power of God, when it comes to healing the sick, it is not us thinking that Jesus does all the work. You go on the internet and you start talking about, if you say something like, um, I saw someone heal today, they'll reply back and they'll say, yes, Jesus healed them. Absolutely, because the Bible says without him you can do nothing. However, we are co-laborers with Jesus Christ. Unless we actually are prepared to do it and to be an anointed son or daughter under the new covenant, then not much is going to happen. We show to the principalities and powers whom Jesus Christ is through wisdom, faith, and boldness. 
at some point, us as Westerners who tend to focus too much on wisdom, and the main problem that I have dealing with Africa and Asia is they use very little wisdom at all. <laughs> it's all faith and boldness, and I'm thinking, oh, God. <laughs> is that at some point, we actually have to step out. We actually have to do something. If we want to see Jesus move, and in the name of Jesus, people to be healed, then we do have to do something. We actually need to make a step of faith and go, gulp, here I go. Well, that didn't work. So what happened? I'll use wisdom. Yep. I'm going to give it another go. Faith and boldness. Oh, hello. There's some freedom here. No, we don't blame the people that we're praying for. You know, oh, you don't have enough faith. It's about us. It's about the process within us. There are two anointed ones. It is a co-laborer. That which Jesus had on earth, we have in parts here on earth, in accordance with the gifts and callings of God upon our lives. But He wants us to grow from glory to glory. He wants us to grow to do greater miracles. I'll stand back a wee bit for the front row. So why is the lamp so important? Because Jesus is the light of the world, he came in as the light of the world, and because Jesus wants us to be the light of the world in regard to evangelism, in regard to showing what it is to be a son and daughter of God, and to move in the power of God. We are co-heirs with Jesus Christ, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I've said it before. But I'm going to say it again. Every single, and there's not one, every single promise in the Old Testament that relates to the Messiah comes across into the new covenant for you and me. You can challenge me that on later, uh, this, uh, later on after the service if you like, because I'm sure there's going to be some questions here but I have not come across one yet. So every single promise that applies in the old covenant for Jesus applies to us. Now I've got to finish. The, sing the singers have come up. I've been going now for 25 minutes. This is the heart of the matter. Jesus talking about sinners, sorry, Paul talking about sinners says this. Talks about how the glory of God is taken away from them. Sorry, they, they fall short of the glory of God. Then it goes on and says this. The fear of the Lord, for they do not have the fear of God in their eyes. You get that? They don't have the fear of God in their lamps. See, there are seven spirits of God, or seven aspects to the Spirit of God. They're found in Isaiah chapter 11. Let me quickly read them to you. Isaiah 
the spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, the spirit of the knowledge of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And the seventh is the spirit of the fear of the Lord. The lamp reflects the seven spirits of God. And what we look at with our eyes is what Jesus says determines what happens to that lamp. It is possible to walk in victory over sin. The reason why God hates sin and loves the sinner but hates sin is because what it does to us. It brings darkness where there needs to be light. See, James chapter 1, James chapter 4 says this, that uh, Elijah was not unlike us. God hears the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man. If you, like I, want to progress in seeing the healing miracles that God wants to see upon this planet of planet Earth, and that we have actually been seeing every type of disease in the last year healed. But if I want to see more, and if you want to see more, then there is a responsibility that comes upon us to walk in righteousness. And I'm going to have a bit of a different altar call this morning. I'm going to have an altar call for one of the seven spirits of God. And it's the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Because, you see, Jesus, it says in the next verse that he didn't delight in the wisdom, the understanding, the knowledge, the power, the counsel. He delighted in the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And as we go through this series, I, I don't really know what they're going to talk about. But the spirit of the fear of the Lord is something that I have always since in the 1980s, I said, that's what I want. That's what I want. I, I want the spirit of the fear of the Lord. God hears that. And he says, Neville, that's good. Now walk in it. I haven't always done so. got stuck into legalism got to do this got to do that to be have the fear of the Lord that's not what it's about the lamp determines the flow of the spirit because God invests in something which is good he looks for fruitfulness and he says Neville I, I need to cut that off that's not fruitful. I've seen it happen time and time again. I'm like, God, that was going so well. And, he's, and as I say, no. And as soon as that gets cut off, then something else sprouts up 10 times more strongly. It's like I just had to cut something off in the ministry. And then a couple of weeks later, all of a sudden, we've got a new Bible school with 520 pastors going to it. 
So look, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that there are two anointings. The kingly anointing and the priestly anointing. And Lord, that we actually stand together as one of those anointed ones beside Jesus, the ultimate anointed one, the Messiah. We stand in heavenly places with principalities and powers under our feet where the nations are ours. Our business is ours. Our home is ours. Our family is ours under our feet. And so, Lord, we delight in the Spirit of God. We delight in the anointing of God. But, Lord, we want to be like you, that you delighted above every other aspect of the Spirit of God. You delighted in the fear of the Lord. And so I just want to open up the altar now as I hand it back to Glenn to pray for people for the spirit of the fear of the Lord because it is part of the spirit of God, a part that we can nurture and see great fruitfulness happen as a result. Amen.